You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, sorry about this. I got to pull this up for you real quick before we do the Vanity Fair article. Because I, I threw the term in there, and uh, I want you to understand it, because I don't want to just throw things in without explaining them. But uh, let, let's just look at this concept here. I've been reading a lot about this stuff and breaking technocracy and transhumanism and everything into the different factions, trying to understand the history of each for a series of shows I'm going to do in the coming weeks. But I'll just tell you, so there's this one theory, which is technocratic populism. Which is very telling because uh, as we're dissecting all of this, how does it play in? Well, what was coming out of the rise of the uh, Trumpism or uh, the new right as we see it shaping into? And that was the idea of populism. That's what Steve Bannon was pushing as well, populism. And I always said populism is very dangerous. Why aren't we restoring ourselves to a constitutional republic? I guess we're giving up on that idea. We're moving into something else. So there's something called technocratic populism, which is a combination of technocracy and populism that connects voters to leaders via expertise and is output-oriented. So you know what technocracy is, right? It is control of the entire system by the scientists, engineers, and technologists. Then you take this idea of populism, which is sort of like a true democracy, which the people will vote for everything. And then you hear Curtis Yarvin, Peter Thiel's boy, talking about Trump having an app that he can direct people and everything else. So this is going to be the beginning of it. And they're going to push this idea of populism, that it's for the people, uh, can only work in such a large country with so many people or in the world population if they do it as a world government. Uh, through a technocracy so the scientists and the engineers will answer to the will of the people via this populist app this voting system all right so it goes on to say technocratic populism offers solutions beyond the right left division of politics which are introduced by technocrats and benefit the ordinary people right so go all the way back to 1919 that's what the technocrats were talking about that the scientists and the engineers were the good guys and they would enact the will of the people all right, no different, no different. It goes on to say examples of politicians in Western Europe who deploy technocratic populism are Giuseppe Conte and Emmanuel Macron, while, sorry, Ciudadanos, uh, Corbynism, uh, Padernos, and M5S are examples for analogous political movements. Now, techno-populism in sense of technocratic populism is sometimes termed techno-fascism, which is what I just used before the break, where political rights are only grant are only gained by technical expertise, right? So this would eventually be some sort of a social score system. How many STEM classes did you take? All right, you move up the ladder. It goes on to say, techno-fascism is a concept introduced by 
Janice Mimura to describe an author, author, uh, author, Jesus, folks, I'm sorry, approaching the weekend, I think I've done 30 shows with no days in between, and I apologize for that, folks, to describe authoritarian rule executed by technocrats, right? But what you're going to see now is uh, I would reshape techno-fascism, is that it's authoritarian rule executed by the technocrats, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, and the business leaders in charge of those so-called private sector companies. But then there will be this figurehead, this techno-king, which is what uh, Curtis Yarvin, funded by Peter Thiel, is talking about folks all right so now you understand it's going to be this merger uh, the, the illusion of populism to drive us into the technocracy and then for those that still want a monarch figure a king they'll have this techno-fascist uh, monarch right the head of this technocracy who will answer to the will of the people you see it's it all of it is shaping up folks it's all making sense to me um how they're actually going to pull this off. All right, let's go to this Vanity Fair article. Again, it's very lengthy. I'll probably skip around, but there are a lot of nuggets in here that we want to pull out and add to our file, folks. It says, it was Halloween in Orlando, and we had piled into a car to make a short trip from the Hilton to an after party down the road to wind up the first night of the latest edition of a gathering called the National Conservatism Conference. Now, I showed you a video of Peter Thiel a while ago. We replayed a clip from it the other day where he was speaking at the National Conservatism Conference, okay? And that is when he talked about having a ragtag movement. And I had said the first time I watched it, as it was a conference put on by the Edmund Burke Society, that how the hell did conservatism start to become theism, right? It says, for at least many of the young people, the actual business of conference going seemed to be beside the point. A gesture at how we use the conduct politics back before life in America spun out of control. There were jokes, or maybe they were serious questions about whether one of the guys tagging along with us was a Fed, was an agent of the government, okay? I surreptitiously made a few searches of the name he'd given me and was surprised when I couldn't find a single plausible hit, though that could have been because he was a hyper-secret crypto type. There were some of those floating around, not that anyone cared. These were people who were used to guarding their words, okay? So, um... Sooner or later, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast, will come on here, and one of the things, I'm marking it in my Maria file that we will ask her about, is a gentleman named Cass Sustine, and he had uh, worked for the Obama administration, and he had talked about embedding all of these feds inside of all the conspiracy theory movements. So we'll talk to her about that. It says, quote, 
don't F me up here, end quote. I'm not going to say it because then I have to put this show on explicit and it reaches less people. But it says, don't F me, uh, don't F me here. A dark-haired woman named Amanda Milia said to me as she somewhat in, uh, imperiously dealt with a guy at the door who was skeptical about letting a reporter into the party. Quote, and say we're all in here sacrificing kids to Moloch. We're just the last normal people hanging out at the end of the world, end quote. I had met Milius outside the Hilton when I asked for a cigarette, and she began to chaperone me around, telling people who eyed my press pass that I was there to profile her as an up-and-coming female director who, she said, had attracted more Amazon streams than any woman ever with her first documentary, a counter-narrative about Russiagate. Quote, Annie Leibovitz is still scheduling the photo shoot, end quote, she kept saying. In this world, almost every word is layered in so much irony that you can never be sure what to take seriously or not. Perhaps a um, semi-conscious defense mechanism for people convinced that almost everyone is out to get them. Now, do I believe everyone is out to get me? No. Do I believe the technocracy is rising? Yes. <laughs> Quote, O.F., end quote, she said, as we walked into a small ballroom where the party was already underway. The room was pitifully quiet, lit in strip club red, and the sparse crowd was almost entirely male, with a cash bar off in the corner that seemed unable to produce drinks fast enough to buoy the mood. Quote, we have a thing we say, end quote, she said. Quote, this is what the people at the Washington Post think we're doing. Well, this is exactly what the people at the Washington Post think we're doing, end quote. A portly guy running from Congress in Georgia made his way to the front of the room to give a speech heavy on MAGA buzzwords and florid expressions of fealty to Donald Trump. Quote, this is sad, end quote, Milius said. No one cheered or even seemed interested. <laughs> But this was not Trump world. Even if many of the people in the room saw Trump as a useful tool, maybe a techno king, ladies and gentlemen, it goes on to say, and these parties aren't always so lame. NatCon, as this conference is known, has grown into a big tent gathering for a whole range of people who want to push the American right in a more economically populist, culturally conservative assertively nationalist direction right so economically populist culturally conservative assertively nationalist direction now that would be really nice if it were true it would be really nice if it were true but when you look at the folks that go to these things i don't understand uh they would probably have to take off their nipple tassels if they wanted to start with cultural conservatism all right economically populist and assertively nationalist right meanwhile they are funded by peter thiel who wants to drive them into a techno populist fascist transhumanist technocracy hmm. the people do their research uh, before they get on board with these movements i don't think so folks it draws everyone from israel hawks to fusty 
uh, paleocon professors to mainstream figures like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. But most of the media attention that the Congress attracts focuses on a cohort of rosy, young, blazer-wearing activists and writers, a crop of people representing the American rights, quote, radical young intellectuals, end quote, as a headline in the New Republic would soon put it, or conservatism's, quote, terrifying future, end quote, as David Brooks called them in the Atlantic. But the people these pieces describe, who made up most of the party goers around me, were only the most buttoned up seam of a much larger and stranger political ferment, burbling up mainly within America's young and well-educated elite, part of an intramedia class info war. The podcasters, broish anonymous Twitter posters, online philosophers, artists, and amorphous uh, scene setters, uh, scenesters in this world are variously known as dissidents, neo-reactionaries, post-leftists, or the heterodox fringe, though they're all often grouped for convenience under the heading of America's new right. They have a widely diverse set of political backgrounds, with influences ranging from 17th century Jacobite royalists to Marxist cultural critics to so-called reactionary feminists to the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski, whom they sometimes refer to with semi-ironic affection as Uncle Ted. That's what I call him, Uncle Ted, ladies and gentlemen. But again, if you're for Uncle Ted, I don't know why you're hanging out with Peter Thiel, to be honest. It goes to show how crippled the mind is, how warped and mind-controlled these folks are, these youngsters are today. Because you would not be spouting off the writings of Ted Kaczynski, Industrial Society and its Future, if you were hanging out with Peter Thiel, one of America's greatest and probably the most dangerous technocrat today. It goes on to say, what, uh, which is to say that this new right is not a part of conservative movement, as most people in America would understand it. It's better described as a tangled set of frameworks for critiquing the systems of power and propaganda that most people reading this probably think of as, quote, the way the world is, end quote. And one point shapes all of it. It is a project to overthrow the thrust of progress, at least such as liberals understand the word. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why it's important to read things that come out of the left. Because so far, this gentleman's observation and his interpretation of what he is witnessing is correct. Now, I want to continue to go a little deeper into this to see what he recognizes, to see what he ends up pulling out and analyzing from this event. Is he going to talk about Peter Thiel as a government contractor, as an oligarch, as a transhumanist, as a technocrat, and then ask the question why this new right that supposedly Uh, We will see what their ideology is, what it comes out of in this article, because he interviews a lot of people. But if they in any way truly believe in economic populism, uh, social conservatism, and nationalism, they would not be under the spell 
of Peter Thiel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's get back to this Vanity Fair article. This is important because many of you probably don't really understand this unless you're hanging out in these type of uh, situations, at these conferences, these events, these parties that are going on all over the place. Now, listen, I'm 41 now. I waited a long time to have a kid, and my baby is on the way. But uh, the old Dustin of 10 years ago, I would have been going to these events uh, with my ear to the ground, doing some undercover investigative work. I want to see it. But I I told you, I did get to see a little of this back in 2016, uh, 15, 16, 17, because I went to a lot of Trump rallies. And I went to two of the inaugural balls under the deplorable banner. And so I got to see the very beginning of this movement, folks. And frankly, to be honest with you, I believe it is a... It is an intended orchestrated chaos that is actually happening under the banner of the right or the new right with an intended purpose to usher in order, which will come in the form of technocracy under probably technopopulism combined with technofascism. That's probably the direction that this is headed, to be honest with you. Uh, And eventually we'll be able to figure this out. Once we see more of the various sort of uh, iterations of the new right and the different echo chambers within it, we'll start to be able to connect the dots, um, sort of trace these breadcrumbs, and we'll, we'll be able to start to put it together and we'll understand how they're being manipulated and for what purpose. All right, this goes on to say this worldview, these worldviews run counter to the American narrative of the last century, that economic growth and technological innovation are inevitably leading us toward a better future. It's a position that has become quietly edgy and cool in new uh, tech outposts like Miami and Austin and in downtown Manhattan where new rightish politics are in and signifiers like a Demour cross necklace have become markers of a transgressive chic. No one is leading the movement, but it does have key figures. And then, obviously, we know the money that's behind this movement, so that would be the leader. But it's talking about how they don't adopt this ideology that technological innovation will inevitably lead us toward a better future. But at the same time, talking about these people working in these uh, tech startups, right? And they're following Peter Thiel. So, I mean, these people, are they that blind that they don't even realize that they are helping build this technocracy? They are doing the exact opposite of someone like 
Uncle Ted Kaczynski, as they call him, uh, was advocating for, which was the fact that technology and humanity cannot coexist because eventually technology will crush and destroy humanity. I don't know. I mean, it is the government pot eating these people's brains out? Are the psychedelics being handed out already? I mean, what is happening here, folks? This doesn't make any sense. So he's talking about the leaders here. And then he says, one of the leaders is Peter Thiel, the billionaire who helped fund NatCon and who had just given the conference's opening address. And I went and did some research, folks, and Peter Thiel did help fund NatCon. And when I showed you the video of him speaking there, I don't know what it was, maybe a month ago, I said, how does the Edmund Burke Society, Edmund Burke, with the quote, uh, for evil to thrive, good men do nothing. And I said, well, if they're supposedly good men, they're allowing evil into the camp. Well, now we know that Peter Thiel once again dangles his checkbook and uh, gets involved with another thing. So Thiel has also funded things like the edge lordy and post-left-inflected New People's Cinema Film Festival, which ended its week-long run of parties and screenings in Manhattan just a few days before NatCon began. He's long been a big donor to the Republican political candidates, but in recent years, Thiel has grown increasingly involved in the politics of this younger and weirder world becoming something like a nefarious godfather or a genial rich uncle, depending on your perspective. Podcasters and art world figures now joke about their hope to get so-called Thiel Bucks. His most significant recent outlays have been to two young Senate candidates who are deeply enmeshed in this scene and influenced by its intellectual currents. Hillbilly edgy, uh, elegy author J.D. Vance running for the Republican nomination in Ohio and Blake Masters in Arizona. So there you go, old daddy warbucks there, walking around, tossing, uh, tossing his money out like the Joker in the Michael Keaton Batman film. Well, Jack Nicholson, the Joker, is up on the float, throwing money all over the place. That's Peter Thiel now. So Thiel is behind this new right movement, folks. Make no mistake. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but the deplorable I went to on January 19th, my birthday, that featured, you know, Sheriff David Clark, Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, all these other folks. Well, who was behind that? Peter Thiel. All right, it goes on to say Thiel has given more than $10 million to super PACs supporting the men's candidacies, and both are personally close to him. That was all the way back in April, folks. He's put over $15 million into Blake Masters' campaign alone. It says Vance is a former employee of Thiel's. Uh, Mithril Capital and Masters until recently, the COO of Thiel's so-called family office also ran the Thiel Foundation, which has become increasingly intertwined with this new right ecosystem. All right. See, the reason why we had to cover all the Blake Master stuff and I had to teach you about all of the money that Thiel has flying around before we get to articles like this. Otherwise, you wouldn't really understand this stuff. It says, these three Thiel Vance Masters are all friends with Curtis Yarvin. Uh, 
a 48-year-old ex-programmer and blogger who has done more than anyone to articulate the world historical critique and popularize the key terms of the new right. You often hear people in this world, again, under many layers of irony, call him things like Lord Yarvin or Our Prophet, okay? And as I told you, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, calls Yarvin the Yuval Noah Harari of the dark enlightenment okay or we'll call him the king philosopher of the new right and as you see some in the new right call him the prophet as some on the uh i wouldn't say the left but supporters of the fourth industrial revolution uh call um, Yuval Noah Harari, the prophet. Mark Zuckerberg has. Barack Obama has. So I think what you're actually seeing happen here, folks, uh, and this is me now. I'm speaking on the fly. As we're getting a little deeper, sometimes I have to speak about this stuff. I do it right here on the show, and it allows me to connect some of these dots. But I think what you're seeing is you have overall the World Economic Forum, which is basically the Chamber of Commerce between the uh, public-private partnership, bringing together the uh, so-called private sector and the so-called public sector. And then you have... Yuval Noah Harari sort of speaking. I think he speaks a lot uh, to the left as well. But then you have Peter Thiel on this side that is organizing the right, the new right under this banner, who is going to accept the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. While Thiel pretends that he's against it, but as you can see by his record, he is a technocrat of the highest order, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there's no arguing that. He is a government contractor. He is in no way against the government. His fortune is built off of government contracts. His companies, many of them, were started with government money. Do you see this? I hope you understand. I know it seems complicated, but it's not really. It's not really that complicated, folks. Which begs the question, why won't Joe Allen who talks about technocracy and transhumanism on Steve Bannett's show, talk about it. I don't know. Is he one of these guys that gets some of the Thiel bucks? I'm not saying that he does. I'm just asking the question. goes on to say, I was looking around the party for Vance, who hadn't arrived yet, when Milius nudged me and pointed to a table off to our left, quote, why is it that whenever I see Curtis, he's surrounded by a big table of incels? She asked with apparent fondness. I spotted Yarvin, a slight, bespectable man, uh, bespectable man with long, dark hair, drinking a glass of wine with a crowd that included Josh Hammer, the national conservatism-minded young opinion editor of Newsweek, and Michael Anton, a Machiavelli scholar and former spokesman for Trump's National Security Council and a prominent public intellectualizer of the Trump movement. Other luminaries afoot for the conference included Dignity author Chris Arnade, who seemed slightly unsure about the whole NatCon thing, and Saurabh Army, the former opinion editor of the New York Post, now a co-founder and editor at the new magazine Compact, whose vision is, according to its mission statement, quote, shaped by our desire for a strong social democratic state that defends community, local and national, familial and religious against a libertine left and a libertarian right, end quote. 
It is a very of the moment project. Yes. I don't know what they're talking about, folks. It goes on, but but as you can see, the running theme here is that the idea of your so-called constitutional republic are out the window. That's gone. So you can consider this time that we're living in to be post-republic, uh, post-constitution. We are in that time now. It's here. It's here. Because... Where are these supposed leaders, these representatives, these people running for public office that are going to somehow bring you a constitutional republic or restore the republic when the left doesn't want any of that? You have the uh, world powers coming out of the World Economic Forum with the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and then you have the right that has been totally co-opted by Peter Thiel and you mix this Trumpism into it, which is all part of this now, which has nothing to do with restoring a constitutional republic. So we are in a post-constitutional country right now, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a post-republic right now. And we are moving towards whatever the hell it is, but it seems to me like the defining power uh, is technocracy. That is sort of the defining ideology of the system of government that we are not only moving into, but we are already in the middle of. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. I'm going to jump into the middle of this break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 